Blog Talk Radio. Good, uh, welcome to Focus on Albany. My guest today is uh, Dan Platt, who's a Green Party member, and he's here to talk about the uh, coronavirus. So, Dan, first of all, how are you? Uh, I'm okay. Um, okay, great. Just making do, like the rest of us. Uh, I'm sure, you know, you've talked to a number of other Green Party people. What's the Green Party's um, approach to this crisis? Hmm. Well, generally, we definitely put out our own statements, and it's mostly that, um, and this is kind of my response to kind of local responses, too, that we need to, there needs to be an admission that our current system has been completely, and by system I mean uh, the academically known as neoliberalism, that where we put markets and market freedom and individual profit-making over everything else, and that that is what is encouraged by policy as well as in our culture that, you know, if you want to get something done, you got to do it yourself and that um, the government's role or a collective role in institutions is to take care of charity work. And then everything else can just basically be a business, a uh, profit-making mm-hmm. business. Uh, this has been completely completely unable to cope with the situation. Uh, When there's a collective problem, whether it be a virus, which is more short-term, or climate change, which is long-term, it is completely, is a complete failure. Complete. And that needs to be admitted first before we can have more productive conversations. Um, So the Green Party has not really changed much of what it uh, says and does. Um, regarding how we talk about like uh, what we do, which is a you know a large time you know even though we don't really like using war type language like you know we're fighting the virus as an enemy um, we are fighting it um, but more like we're we want an intelligent response uh, which includes a as we as Howie Hawkins puts it a World War II mobilization where uh, we actually use the, um, let's see, it's the Defense Act that Trump has invoked to its fullest, which is to actually coordinate and um, handle businesses and firms to actually produce what is needed, not just make deals with them, because that's what is how it's currently being used, to make business deals on the fly, mm-hmm. a la carte. And if you'd ever... Um, ordered a la carte in a restaurant, it's very inefficient and uh, usually raises the cost uh, in the bill. It's better to order a fixed price meal. And that requires planning. Now, planning can be very democratic and and it can be done via community input. Communities say, this is what we need. This is how many masks that we want uh, you know, uh, and counties can say, this is how many ventilators we expect to need. And then Boeing, mm-hmm. as the workers there have demanded, want can make the ventilators. But this is not happening because all the firms and the businesses being the risk-averse socio-sycophants um, that they are as people, as corporations, you know, people, 
Um, this is how they act. And similarly, our politics has been similarly risk-averse. Um, as far as, you know, talk of revolution versus reform, you know, I, I bring this back to, I, I was just reminded myself of the con Constitutional Convention that was voted down. Um, how many years ago was it? Four years ago? And no, like two. Six years ago? And two. all the groups, two years ago, it was two years ago. Jeez. Time is slowing down. Um, but I guess that's a good thing. All of the groups, um, good government groups, progressive groups, as well as all mm -hmm. the right-wing groups, it was unanimous. Uh, let's not risk our opponents getting the upper hand on us in actually controllable elections, where, um, because the difference in those elections would be the top three winners become delegates, which actually creates opportunities for um, non-major party uh, delegates to be uh, elected. But um, mm -hmm. that was mostly our case. Uh, but it also gives us the opportunity to actually restructure things, to actually have clean elections, to actually do major reforms that don't have to go right. through the golden chief, uh, our governor, who, however reasonable he speaks, um, is still kind of giving the same line that he always has, that we can't tax the rich, that we have to cut actual our services and hunker down and then eventually get back to work like the wage slaves we are. Uh, to use that radical language, but it, it really is accurate to the the situation that we kind of find ourselves in. So um, mm -hmm. let me go back to the question, what's the Green Party's response, which is right. we are needed more than ever as an electoral vehicle for social movements. Uh, with the recent, um, how to call it, surrender, no, it's too strong, um, the, uh, the suspension of the Bernie Sanders campaign, suspension not ending. There's still going to be a primary, and you can still vote uh, for Sanders delegates to go to the convention. Um, but otherwise, um, I think the logic of the Bernie Sanders campaign was kind of, at least as far as from my, the left-wing point of view, that we use this campaign to build a left of and for itself, a social movement that can then push for Medicaid for all, and the other necessary uh, changes. But mm -hmm. really, elections are fueled, rather electoral, electoral campaigns are fueled by social movements. Um, one flows into the other. Not um, Social movements are not built out of political campaigns. Because why? They're centered around one person, and they're centered around taking power before community and social power is actually built. And that's kind of the project that needs to occur for left wing that is of and for itself, which is needed as a counterbalance to neoliberalism. More so than uh, as well as the right wing response to neoliberalism, which is the nationalistic um, populism that, uh, that Trump exemplifies um, in his carnival barker quite uh, fashion. So, um, Oh, you may. I just lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I brought up a lot of different. I, ha, I have not seen hide nor hair of 
Howie Hawkins, is he still vigorously campaigning for the presidency? He is still campaigning, uh, for sure. Um, It's simply doing it via Skype calls and uh, online interviewing. Uh, Campaigning, obviously, in person and the type of campaigning that um, activists are more comfortable with, is uh, suspended, right, Um, due to lockdown orders. And Mm -hmm. and even in even in the radical anarchist uh, circles, right, the question and the narratives that have been circulated in meme form and otherwise, is that we care about uh, saving lives more than anything else, right? Um, the ideology, you know, of, of you know, no, no government, no masters, does not get in the way of us actually caring about actually people's lives and that the real goal is people's well-being. And so there's still the admission, rather the acceptance, that even if a lockdown order is still kind of coming from the top down, that it's still the actual sensible course of action that look, it's not about following government orders, right. And doing as you're told it's about doing what is right. Uh, and so I'm just using that as a, that's why Howie doesn't seem to be very public. Um, now I'm going to go out on a, you know, this is um plea like, yes, man. Right. I'm called that sometimes by uh, online trolls, but uh, as a Howie supporter, I suppose, but he is like myself, an introvert. Um, he's not really that great at glad handing and lacks charisma. And that kind of brings to mind questions that I generally have about our economic and political system that probably goes back centuries that it favors those that are the most charismatic and the best salesmen. You know, capitalism and, and trading and, and our economics favors the best salesmen, even if they're mm-hmm. great buyers and they're lying about what the deal is. Um, Best salesman wins. And this is obviously not really um, fulfilling justice in any uh, sort. And um, right, so you can have have a candidate with the best policies but like if they have some kind of verbal tick, it turns people off and they're not sure. They don't know if they can trust them. Uh, These are some of the obstacles how he's meet but he's certainly still running and i think so on let me ask you this i'm glad he's still running but the mainstream media is not picking up is not covering him so he's invisible they may not until the last month yeah they may not until like october november which was the case with jill if they ever do cover um, him, it will be to uh, abuse and make fun of him, um, deride, to be derisive. Um, now, they can't really ignore, and this can be overcome if we actually have a powerful social movement and militant worker power um, basically fighting not just really for electoral candidate but for wholesale uh, change. So. As others, uh, Sander supporters may, you know, as they're trying to, as they're mourning, right, and grieving, and trying to figure out what they're asking the question, what comes next. And um, there's a general acceptance, as like I would also point out here and there in my more cynical days, that elections really don't matter, um, that the campaign promote the ideas. Uh, which is kind of actually Sanders' through line as well, that he really, really wasn't 
running for president as much as promoting the platform, building a social movement, which is a little backwards, of course, as a presidential campaign. So, and that, but that's just the situation that we're in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. I don't want to. Okay. So, my uh, here. Uh, we're, to, we're talking nationally, and we touched on Howie. How do you think the local officials, local, meaning, you know, the mayor of the city and, and the county executive and, um, and the county council and the county ledge, how do you think they're dealing with this crisis? Within the perimeters that they give themselves, they're doing a satisfactory job. Can obviously, I would say, we like my original point, we need to admit that that's not good enough. Um, that there needs to be the formation of a council or committee uh, to coordinate collective responses of our the institutions that are all under incredible strain. And there seems to be a kind of waiting on the level above us to act for us, to either provide us with funding um, instead of raising taxes ourselves or going for reforms. You know, it's now's not the time for any of that um, lawmaking, right? But uh, it's certainly a time, it can be a time of introspection. You know, a lot of people, middle-class people, or rather, uh, white-collar people are out of work or on furlough. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, there's, and, and they can, uh, they're, they're discovering the beauty uh, or stress of not actually having a job to go to, but also thinking about their place in society and whatnot uh, if they're doing that. Um, but I, I get it from either that or, or they start having mental breakdown because uh, actually their lives don't make sense uh, as it is. But there's also a kind of a exposure of the class divides um, in the case that service workers like myself have been deemed essential, uh, as we are. And right. so thus class and race and gender intersect, and thus you have a higher contraction and death rate of black and brown people. And and it's 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 I'm like um kind of face palming when I think it was the, the governor himself was also like we we need to study why is it black people are dying more? Uh because they're working class and they're service economy people workers and they still and you are literally telling them to keep working and filling the subways and not staying home. Contradictory, right? He seems like the uh, he, you know, the first two weeks it was being the, the tough guy. Like this is what we got to do. We're going to take action. Look at the big wall of supplies behind me. But really, um, it's a farce. You know, supplies are ordered and then they're diverted before they get into the port by other states because it's, as far as the Fed is concerned, it's doggy dog, and that's going to filter down to the state level and the county level and the city level. Um, there's still not mass testing happening. So this is where, like, I'm talking about the national level because really that's kind of, it's the national level that's completely failing and then that trickles down. Um, so the local now, response now- kind of needs to be the mobilization of people to demand more and not just 
um, kind of just accept the status quo of, well, yeah, I guess we can't raise taxes on the billionaires in Wall Street, so I guess we're going to accept the Medicaid cuts that Como has put into the budget. And uh, we're not going to marshal productive forces in our cities, if we have them. But yeah, we do, because there are people in there. And people are, when the chips are down, community-oriented and very social. They want to be. It's our jobs and our institutions that kind of have, have led us into the atomized state where it, we already feel isolated and alone. Uh, for some of us, the, the lockdown was, is actually not that different. But only It only kind of puts just more strain, just more so. So um, do you think that we as a country have the ability to make, to create Tests for everybody in this country. What was the noun you used? Tests or? Tests. In other words, yeah. everybody should get a test. Uh, certainly, um, though there need to be some sacred cows that need to be killed, like um, patents and the ability for one company to profit by making them uh, and making a deal with the government. That kind of thing. You look around the world and you see more intelligent responses by countries that are less, how to put it, laissez-faire than we are. Um, for example, as a kind of slap in the face to the Bill Gates vision where we need to be carded if we carry cards if we're vaccinated or not, and this is going to be a permanent situation, and while it's yeah. fear and anxiety about that, on dystopian mm-hmm. visions and fears um, around the in, in, in actual more civilized uh, parts of the world, there are actually treatments being developed that lessen the symptoms of the virus and thus make it less fatal. Um, drugs were developed in Cuba in the 80s um, that help the body actually fight uh, certain types of infections off, and there there's some promise um, against COVID-19 because it's related to the stuff that was developed for. Why were these things developed? Because the R&D was not tied to profit-making. Like, uh, say, you know, a pill is developed, you know, pills are kind of thrown at the wall, certain treatments, and depending on the effects, then the company decides then they're going to market that pill to do this. This is how Viagra was created. It was, like, supposed to be a heart medication first, and then it had one effect, and so they packaged it up and sold it as something else. Uh, in other countries where their health care is, especially you know, with Medicaid for all or socialized medicine, um, the R&D is towards less developed treatments for these illnesses. And so these treatments will eventually filter to us, and we won't have to actually be in this um, quarantine situation for a whole year, hopefully. I'm going to be optimistic and say maybe by summer um, something will be available. But until then, I guess it's all up to us to make our own masks because we can't just order a business to do it. But that's exactly um, a lefty like me proposes. Are you uh, you're still doing your Saturday show at WCAA, right? 
Of course. Everything that I've um, been saying and the points I'm making, I've gone in more detail um, on the free mm-hmm. lap shell. Uh, last week, I covered the strike wave, uh, particularly a number of strikes in the last uh, two weeks, and there's uh, and they're only growing in number. Um, I've heard recently of uh, fast food workers at uh, McDonald's that did a strike, and because and this is because that it's like people's actual lives are on the line, right? When it's just like their dignity or some lost wages, um, then you know, it's it's not like it's not life or death like it is now. And that's kind of the difference where people are ready to actually like, no, we're not going to work today. We're not going to go back. We're not going to do as we're told. And um, we demand more, the very least, sick pay or um, accrued sick time. If, if they're fired, guarantee our jobs back, quarantine's over. You know, the situation depends on the type of business. Is it Amazon or is it a bar? You know, is it a McDonald's? Or is it a GE plant? You know, the, the demands change based on situation, but the general tenor is there are a lot of people ready to not put up with this bullshit. Um, but being asked to to expose themselves to the risk. So in that case, risk aversion is kind of the same value being expressed here. But now it's instead of being in, um, it's actually the working people being risk averse instead of capitalists and our leaders who have had the luxury of being risk-averse while the rest of us um, take on those risks, those, the costs? Well, risk-averse, we're risk-averse because the media has instilled so much fear in us, some mentality now. It was just shoved down our throats, right? As part of like a general cultural expression of like that every our institutions, our society is very fragile. Um, I mean, you know, business slows down for two weeks and suddenly a uh, line goes down. The stock market crashes once again. How f- it's mm-hmm. so fragile. And then it needs another $2 trillion infusion. Um, it really shows that, uh, you know, all the money, it's just numbers and computers. I'm not saying it uh, isn't a, you know, actual way of exchanging value. But uh, what I am saying is that uh, to really kind of solve this, and this is like general policy, is that we need a debt jubilee, a complete debt forgiveness. Uh, what makes a policy acceptable by more people is when it's universal. So it can't just be student debt forgiveness or business debt forgiveness. It really needs to be all debt forgiveness. And that includes the bank's debts to other banks, um, the mortgages, the rents, right? Can't just more, you know, mm-hmm. put a memorandum on them for a few months and think it's all going to come back around or, or help give loans to businesses as if they're, they're, they're going to be more customers later because th- that's always the assumption of capitalism, that there's always more customers out there. There's always more value to be extracted, you know, Eventually, we'll be mining asteroids to fill in the deficit. Mm-hmm. But that's fanciful. So, so in the uh, last few minutes that we have, what's your long-term goals um, that you, you're planning mm-hmm. on doing? 
Uh, well, continuing the show uh, and the radio uh, work at the radio station, uh, because we do, and program director Paul Smart, we see ourselves as a, a, a central service. The ability to communicate, um, especially without even the Internet, uh, though we do stream mm-hmm. online now too, but particularly uh, yeah, just the power source yeah. and our antenna, and we can broadcast over Albany. Uh, so wait, wait. Where are you I'm sorry. That? You have a well, I'm sorry. Dave. We're doing Where it at Grand Street. That? Yes. So we're doing Grand Street Community yeah. Arts at Grand Street and Madison and Albany, in the South End. So you're going down um, each week to do your show. Yes. Yes. Uh, live okay. most weeks. Um, okay. That's at noon to two o'clock. Now I also okay. want to say long term is. Sorry, how much? So we're, are we out of time? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, long term is actually revolution. But by revolution, I want to clarify as the government, particularly Congress, resigning. I mean, there's usually the sentiment that we need to vote the bums out. You don't vote a government out. You force them to resign by striking, by protesting, uh, like in the Arab Spring. Then new elections and a new constitution is written uh, by assembly or what have you. And we have new elections that are cleaner, more fair, have more options. Um, and that's how we get a better government that can actually address our problems and actually respond intelligently instead of the cluster F that uh, you can witness on television every day, which I sus- uh uh, suggest you don't, you know, watch too closely. Um, rely on uh, more community media. <laughs> okay, terrific. I'm 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 so glad you're still doing your show once a week. I think it's important, and you know, I think it's important for everybody to want to have a voice in Albany. Wouldn't you agree? Of course. Yep. So, uh, give in fact, that is actually our tagline at the station. We have a voice in Albany. Yes, I know. I know. Um, give yourself a little plug in the final moments. Uh, yes. Um, I have not actually. Um, Facebook is being very uncooperative as a co- as a multi as the big behemoth corporation it is uh, to change my Facebook page to an assembly page because I am, in fact, though I haven't gotten confirmation yet. Uh, running for assembly in the 108th district on the green line. Mm-hmm. And my main platform, it's very simple. It's really just one plank, which is to socialize finance. We really can't um, make anything else more social, more accountable to people uh, and citizens until we handle the finance sector. That means having a public bank. It means having a finance system that distributes capital stack and resources to where it's needed based on need and not greed, to put it simply. Mm-hmm. So, great. Um, so, are you accepting donations? Are you looking for volunteers? What's your position I would that? suggest, yeah, I would suggest that, um, based on what I've been saying as well, that you, if not register for the Green Party and join a independent left-wing party that is for us and for itself and not an appendage to the status quo, uh, then join the Green Party or, if not register, 
become a dues-paying member, a supporting member that allows our local organizing committee, and then that also then transforms into uh, campaign contributions and campaign funding that is based on collective power rather than individual uh, donations. Great. So that way we're I... actually in it together and we're investing in the campaign instead of, and you're investing in an independent party that it represents you. One last question before we sign off. Given the fact that everybody's lives have been turned upside down, everybody's in this state of panic and confusion, do you think this is the proper year to really come with you guys 100%? You know, I know uh, Howie, I know uh, Steve Greenfield, you, I consider all of you friends of mine. Do you think that this is the year for the Green Party to make an impact on society? I mean, that all depends on ourselves. And running for office and doing the outreach and the canvassing and the necessary organizing, right? Because the real social organizing, the real political power building comes from doing the work, right? There's no shortcuts. There's no, uh, we're going to get a seat at the table by endorsing the status quo warriors. Uh, Got to do it ourselves. And, uh, and there's a lot to do and a lot of different things to do. So there's lots of options. There's lots of diversity and strategies. But I'd simply point out that, you know, the Green Party f- falls into a strategy of independent power building. That's the important uh, thing I would stress. Um, there's other ways of building independent power, like doing community uh, radio, community farming, community anything. Because uh, that means that instead of being uh, based around one rich person or the interests of some nebulous abstract concept like a corporation or, 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 or even the state, that it's based around people and our relationship to nature. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to be on Focus on Albany. And, you know, I enjoy exchanging views with you. Um, So you've been listening to Dan Platt, um, who will be running for the New York State Assembly, and you do have a couple of um, primary challengers. So if you like this... Oh, I don't. I'm not in the primary. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry you're not. That's right. Sorry about that. You know, mm-hmm. so you're gonna you're gonna prevail until November. But it likely will be a three man race uh in November as well. Okay. So it's gonna be the winner of the Democratic primary. It's you and who else I'm making my own coming? assumptions. You don't have to. Okay. My my okay. apologies. Okay, so uh, if you like this show, like us on Facebook, uh, Focus on Albany. Follow us on Twitter, download on your smartphone, subscribe to iTunes. If you have a comment about this show, hashtag Focus on Albany. Dan, good luck to you. Happy holidays. And 
happy happy Passover. Passover. Passover and Easter to uh to everybody. Have a great have a great great day and have a good weekend. Bye. Bye bye.